Greetings from Bethel Church in Edgemont, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us today. I am Pastor Brad, and on behalf of Pastor Nancy, Bethel Church, and myself, we're glad that you are here. We hope that the message today is an inspiration for you. We hope that God's Word speaks to you. We hope that the Holy Spirit moves within you and that you are changed. Get ready. This is going to be good. Come on. Well, good morning once again. So we share that video today as a, as a great introduction into the message in this series that we're going to go through for a couple weeks entitled, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And so as we start into this, this message today in this series, I want to talk a little bit about my past, nothing about deep and dark. Actually, I want to go back to 2015. Our son, Devin, he had just graduated from high school. He was on his way to the military, and we wanted to do something special, something amazing. So we decided we planned this, this family trip, and we were going to head off to uh, Puerto Rico. And I was going to put up pictures of our amazing trip to Puerto Rico, but it, it got a little... Uh, little bit I got a little behind this morning but it was the trip was absolutely amazing in fact it was it was so amazing that we almost didn't come home right and everybody that we talked to there we'd say well how long have you been there tell me your story they say well I came down here I was on vacation and I decided I was going to stay for six months and I've I've been here for six years it was repeatedly over and over again people would tell us that story and our son Nicholas um, absolutely fell in love with Puerto Rico so much that as soon as he got back home, he bought himself a, a ticket to go back to Puerto Rico because that's where he was going to move. And then in the time of when his flight was supposed to take off, life happened and he never ended up going, which is probably was for the best. But it was absolutely paradise to be there. And each of us has a vision of what paradise would look like, right? For us, for our family, it was it was Puerto Rico. And I imagine for most of you, though, it doesn't involve things such as soccer practices or parent-teacher conferences, or it doesn't involve bills or maybe unfinished projects around the house or just the hecticness of everyday life. It doesn't include sleepless nights. It doesn't include burdens. It doesn't include struggles. Those aren't things that we use to describe paradise. Well, when I was doing some research, I found these interesting taglines, advertisements put out by the Barbados Tourism Authority to the world. And, and the tagline goes something like this, just imagine yourself in Barbados where there is never a dull moment. And I think about that and I think about it sounds pretty exciting, but then also it really sounds a lot like life as a whole, right? There's there's never a dull moment. In fact, I remember hearing about a Chinese proverb that said at one time, may you live the most uninteresting life. Now that doesn't sound really exciting, but to live an uninteresting life sometimes would be pretty great. But anyway, if we go back and we look at this, this advertisement and we think about it, there was posters and they depict this beautiful blue ocean and white sandy beaches with a gorgeous couple lying on a hammock in the shade of a, a palm tree and it seems just like paradise. And the ideas are conveyed that are conveyed here is that there's no problems if you'll just come to the island, right? That everything is sweet, everything is wonderful, everything is is dandy. And the point that they're attempting to make is that this tropical paradise is the closest thing to paradise on this side of heaven. And tourists 
come and and like our trip to Puerto Rico they just wish that they could spend the rest of their lives in this in this beautiful place this gem of the Caribbean Sea so everybody in these places whether it's Barbados or whether it's Puerto Rico they must be always happy right they must not have a struggle in the world not a care in the world life must be easy there's no worries there's no sadness there's no fear well, however, for many people that, that live in these areas, and really for many of you sitting here in the, in the chairs today, nothing could be further from the truth. The fact is that for many people, there are more problems than we know what to do with. And life can be hard and life can be worrisome every single day. So that's why we're going to dive into this series where it is okay to not be okay. Because see, it's only through the mercies of God that we've made it this far. So there was a popular Southern gospel song back in 2011 by a gentleman by the name of Kurt Carr. Anybody know who Kurt Carr is? I didn't at first, and it's definitely out of our genre of music, but it, the lyrics said this. It says, I almost gave up. I felt like I just couldn't take life anymore. My problems had me bound Depression weighed me down, but when we were in that state, it was then that God held us close so that we didn't let go. As I read those lyrics, I can't help but think somebody must know what, what I think about throughout the week, right? Somebody must know that I don't have everything figured out, and somebody must know or must be able to relate to some of the struggles that, that I go through, because I know for a fact that these experiences do not only belong to people who are worldly, these experiences don't just belong to people who are unspiritual or who have no relationship with the world. Because if we really are, are honest, depression and anxiety and stress and grief Maybe insecurity, regret, these are all emotions experienced by members of, of our church as well, right? And our church is this hidden gem in the southern Black Hills where everybody is welcome. But I also know that these emotions are felt by some of you that are sitting in this room here today. But you know what's intriguing to me, what actually baffles my mind is what actually really saddens me is that this, this stress is often concealed especially in the, in the church, right? We, we look happy. If, if we get up on time and we make it to church on time, we smell good and we wear clean clothes, maybe from a recent shopping trip. Or, but underneath, the behind the masks that we wear, oftentimes we show up on a Sunday and there's, there's ways that we're hurting. There's ways that we feel like there's nobody here to help. And we feel that sometimes like there's no remedy for our situation. And it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're a man. It doesn't matter whether you're a woman. It doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old. We handle things differently, but these things are, are still here. So, gentlemen, I'm gonna, I want to start with, with you for a moment. Ladies, it's okay to give a little elbow during some of this, but I'm going to just tell you that your time is coming as well. All right, all right, man, here's, here's, how, here's how I see it. We like to portray that tough, macho exterior, and we hope that this facade will suggest that nothing bothers us, nothing hurts our feelings, right? We don't cry. Okay, well, I've proven that one wrong, but most of you maybe out there say, no, I don't cry, um, because I've already let that cat out of the bag, right? But when life gets tough, we pretend as though we don't really care, right? It's no big deal. That's the way it is, right? 
right, gentlemen? Let's be honest for a moment. Nothing really could be further from the truth. In fact, I've heard research say that talks about the stresses that, that men go through and the way that society expects them to not deal with those stresses. Now, ladies, I'm not going to go real deep here because in all honesty, I don't really pretend to understand you at all. Okay, I figured after maybe my teen years, I would have had it all figured out, right? I, I got through my teen years and I'm going to figure it out. Or maybe in my 20s or my 30s, I would have mastered the art of understanding women. But in reality, I'm just shy of my 50s and I really don't know sometimes what makes women tick. But there's one thing that I've learned over the years. There's one little word that I think that I understand. And so you might be thinking to yourself, what word is that? And the word is fine. F-I-N-E, fine. Right? When a woman says it's fine, everything's fine. What that really means is that everything is just one short moment from falling apart. Right? The word fine may be the most ironic term in the female vocabulary. And gentlemen, when she says she's fine, you better take a seat because maybe that's not the case. And we laugh about these things. We laugh about the things, the way that men act and the way that women act because it's true. But let's be honest for a moment. Whether we're male, whether we're female, whether we're young, whether we're old, we experience threats to our emotional and our mental health. And sometimes these threats are so great that they prevent us from functioning in the tasks of our everyday life. You know, things such as depression or maybe worry or anxiety, they can be, they can be crippling at times. They can have such a great effect on a, on a man or a woman's condition that he or she remains at home or, or if we're at work that we're unable to free our mind long enough to be able to accomplish anything of purpose. There's days where we just go through the motions, but we really don't accomplish anything at all. You know, I want to share a quick story about myself. When I was a, a young adult, I was in a horribly unhealthy relationship. But it was all that I knew. It was the relationship that I knew. And when that relationship fell apart, so did I. I, I. I was a mess, right? And my daily life changed drastically. And even though I was free from the dysfunction of this, of this relationship, I couldn't free myself from the anguish that this whirlwind caused. It consumed my every day, all of my thoughts. And I didn't do a very good job about hiding it. Maybe I was not the stereotypical man. In fact, my coworkers, they, they called me in one day and they conducted an intervention. And, and their words were simple. I needed to get my stuff together because my performance was affecting everybody else. And they just weren't going to have it anymore. But I didn't know how to deal with what I was going through. See, the struggles of life when we're mentally unwell don't just affect our personal lives. It doesn't just affect our professional lives, right? The struggles may even prevent us from worshiping God freely and worshiping him sincerely because we can get so caught up in those emotions. You know, I've shared a saying a number of times in my life, and the, the saying goes like this. Life is hard and people are messy, Right? And that really defines what, what the concepts of life are really all about. And the truth is, life is hard for many of us living on this small rock, this, this paradise that we live in. And we know that fact. See, we imagine ourselves at times in a, in a different location. 
Right, if I could just go to this place, it would be okay. Anywhere from here, living a life, a moment, free from struggle, free from worry, free from anxiety, free from stress. And so we often will dream about those places. And as much as we love excitement, there are times that we wish that our lives would just be filled with a single dull moment, right? A moment when the grief or failure or hopelessness, depression, anxiety, self-hatred, vulnerability would be quieted, a place where we can be set free from the stresses of everyday life. Now, I don't know, maybe that's just somebody else. Maybe that's nobody else in this room, somebody other than a, a member of Bethel Church, because not us, right? We None of us would actually go through any of these difficulties in life. So how many of us really in this room have it all figured right out? How many of us know exactly how to handle whatever comes our way? We wake up in the morning and the first thing that happens is we're, we're faced with a struggle and we can say, you know what, it's no big deal and we just move on. Or maybe when big things come, we're like, you know what, it's not really a big thing, I'll just let it go and life is just wonderful. We can pretend, but how many of us are truly emotionally and mentally healthy? So what does it really mean to be emotionally and mentally healthy anyway? It's just, is it just a figment of a person's imagination is just something that we can just pretend, a theory proposed by weak-minded people who are negative in their outlook and don't have enough faith in God to bounce back from their trials. See, it's actually true. Is it actually true? I mean that real Christians don't get depressed or anxious or stressed out. Is it true that if Christians do suffer from these ailments, it's because they don't have a real relationship with God? Because there's stories that would suggest that. But one of the hot topics in our culture today is actually mental health, right? Our, our society is more than comfortable now to talk about mental health and illness, and they've long been taboo topics, though, within the church. And it seems so counterintuitive to who we are truly called to be. But when you think about this idea of being mentally healthy, right, it's a very important piece of who we are. So I had this crazy thought about a year ago as I was transitioning jobs that I somehow believed that if I went, when I went, was going to work in a Christian school, that I was going to be freed from all the struggles that I found in the previous 25 years in education, right? Everything was going to be perfect, right? Because everybody was going to be Christian. And things are a little bit simpler now, and discipline problems are much fewer. And when I call a parent to talk about a concern, generally they're, they're very supportive. But there's still these everyday struggles. Because life is hard, right? And, and people are, are messy. And the truth is we are, we are all human, and we all go through these struggles. You know, relationships... As, as beautiful and as wonderful as they are, relationships are hard work and life can be stressful. And whether you're in a public school or a private school or whether you attend a church or whether you're not saved by Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, we're all subject to struggles and difficulties and we're all subject to life's mountains in front of us. So this is a two-part message that, that I wanted to share. And I wanted to share it because I'm not always okay. You know, Pastor Nancy, she's not always okay. And I assume that for those of you sitting in this room, that it's true for you that you're not always okay. 
But I truly believe in the importance of this subject in today's culture and in today's society. And I truly believe in the importance of this message right here in this room. So what I'd like to do today is give a biblical perspective on this topic because the worldly people are not only the ones that suffer. See, those of us who are Christians, we suffer too. So if we're going to talk about this idea of mental health, I think we should break it down a little bit into some easier understood topics. So mental health is broken down into three categories. The first category would be our emotional health. That would be the feelings and, and how we process those feelings. The second part is the psychological aspect, how we, how we think and how we need to work to possibly change our thinking. And the social aspect is how we interact with people and around the world. Okay, and I'm going to tell you right now, as I, as I look at those things on the screen and I process them in my head, I think that sometimes if one of those is out of whack, it causes the other to be as well. Right? If we are emotionally unhappy, we tend to be less social and interact less with other people. And if we're emotionally unhappy, sometimes we can get stuck in our head and it messes with the psychological. And so I want to talk about these things because millions of lives are affected by mental illness every year. Whatever the significance of it is and whether it's directly or relationally, most of us in this room are affected by it. Or we felt its grasp, right? And so the National Alliance of Mental Illness reports in the U.S. of the 331 million people in this country, almost 53 million of those people are plagued by mental illness every year. That's almost one in every five adults. So roughly 17 to 20 percent of the people in America struggle with this. And out of one out of every 25 adults suffer from a serious mental illness and it gets even more serious because over 90 percent of of deaths by suicide are related to mental health disorders that's about eight million per year so what does the bible say about mental health how should we treat those people that we're struggling with how do we deal with it even if it's for the for the short term right well c.s lewis who is a famous author um and in christian he says this way mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, right? I walked in this morning. The first thing Dennis said when he looked at me is he said, are you okay? And it wasn't my emotional well-being. He could, he could see that something was right, that I was struggling with, with some physical pain today, and it was okay, right? But C.S. Lewis says mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it's more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say my tooth is aching than it is to say, my heart is broken. I love that. That saying is as is, is sad as it is. It's easier to say that my tooth hurts or my back hurts than to say that my heart hurts. And when it comes to biblical understanding, there's no explicit verse on mental health. Anybody ever try to do that? You go to your maybe your digital Bible and you want to find a verse that's going to help you to explain it absolutely perfectly. And sometimes there, it's hard to find verses that speak to us specifically. However, there are scriptures on the fallen condition of man, right? We can go into the Bible and we can learn about that. They can find verses which entail the severity of the depravity of humanity. See, scripture is clear. Through the sin of Adam, we have inherited a fallen and sinful nature. And the sinful nature affects every part of our being, including our body and including our, our soul. So let's be honest. It's very 
difficult to understand the depravity of the human heart, right? How can the human race, how can all of God's children be so morally corrupt? How can we all be plagued with this idea of sin? Well, our fallen nature, the nature that we all have, each and every person in this room produces this chemical imbalance in our brain. And human beings are psychosomatic beings, which means there's a connection between our physical and our psychological. I read an amazing book or excerpt, I didn't read the whole thing a few years ago, that talked about how, how physical and mental trauma or mental trauma in our lives actually affects our physical condition. Like young people who go through physical abuse often, or mental abuse, emotional abuse, they often grow up to, to have actually physical ailments from there, and these are all connected. See, there's a relationship between our mental, mental and our physical being. And our biological functioning can be either positively or negatively affected by our mental state. So think about this. A mere thought in our mind can create a panic attack. A mere thought or a group of thoughts in our mind can create depression. And when our, when our thoughts continue, they can make either of those worse. Our thoughts have the ability to not only produce, but also to enhance pain. Right? The brokenness of, and psychological wars that many people are facing are due to us living in a fallen world and being marred by sin. I want you to understand for a moment, though, that nobody is alone in this. We all struggle in some capacity because of the fall. And I'm not trying to equate clinical issues with, with situational issues, right? I'm not trying to oversimplify the human condition here. However, we all experience the weight of, of living in a broken world. And, but in all of this, in the complexity of the broken world, God doesn't leave us hopeless. God doesn't leave us without a solution. See, Jesus has this desire for, all, desire for all mankind to experience freedom through him. Right? Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. He took upon himself our brokenness, our shame, our sin, and our, and our faults. And Jesus lived a perfect life. A perfect life so that, that we struggle to live. And it's interesting, though, because even though Jesus never felt the struggle of sin, he still understands what we're going through. He led a perfect life, but yet he perfectly understands each and every one of us. He understands because he fought our battles and he prevailed. See, Christ overcame and defeated those things that are burdensome to us. He defeated them. And I don't know what you're feeling today. Maybe today is the most amazing day in the world. Or maybe you're sitting here today just trying to, to keep it all together. But maybe for some of you, you might feel like you're, you're stuck in this room, in this prison cell. But what do we know about Jesus? Well, we know that Jesus, like the worship song today, he shatters chains, right? Jesus breaks those chains. He moves locks and he holds the keys to freedom. So I want to share with you today some scriptures that, that I believe will help bring all of this together to help us to comprehend the healing power that only Jesus can bring. The first one comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 19. It says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So we start to hear this, that, that, our, that our hearts are maybe a portion of this and, and who can understand what we're going through? 
Well, the book of Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all the people, because all have sinned. So this starts to explain the, the human condition and how sin is affecting our lives, and how it ebbs and flows throughout our world. Romans 8 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So if we're going through something, if we're struggling with something, it's not just us. We're, we're not alone in this. And then it's really all of creation that is going through this. And finally, the book of Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, On hearing this, Jesus told them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. See, this last verse for me, this last verse hits home because Jesus didn't come to earth for those who have it all figured out. Jesus didn't come to earth for them. He came for us, the sinners. But Jesus also said in the book of Matthew, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, maybe it's not you sitting here today who's, who's going through something. Maybe it's not you physically or mentally or emotionally who's going through something, but maybe there is somebody sitting next to you or sitting across the room who is struggling today. And in the midst of struggle, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of worry, how the church responds is, is vitally important. Because if we're honest, even though we may struggle at times, we struggle even more to know how to appropriately and compassionately respond to people who's, who's dealing with issues. This past couple of weeks at school, I've been dealing with issues that some of you would say, oh, well, it's just teenage issues, right? It's just relationships, and no, very few teenage relationships ever make it past the teenage years, and so just, just get over it, Right? Just choose to think about something else. That's what we say. But in reality, sometimes it's much deeper than that. And I, I must admit, there's sometimes that I fail to know how to respond. But when we're insensitive and we declare when people are going through things, whether it's mental illness or, or maybe just a situation, when we claim that it's only a spiritual issue, we immediately isolate those who are struggling with these things. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that when we do this, we, we unconsciously direct people to a solution which just says this. We tell people, if you just had enough faith, it would be okay. We'd say, you know what, if you would just keep praying, everything will be fine. And now I'm not going to say that we shouldn't have faith, and I'm not going to say that we shouldn't keep praying, but even worse than this, we go so far to accuse somebody of living in unrepentant sin. As if it's the only reason that a Christian could have struggles in their lives. We isolate people because of this thought. See, do I believe that God can heal our physical and our mental illnesses? Absolutely. Do I believe that all mental illness is spiritual and if you have sin in your life that you're going to continue to struggle with it? No. I believe that all of us suffer from, from difficult times, but I don't believe that always it's because of the sin in our lives. But I will say this. We shouldn't overlook spiritual solutions to our mental and physical problems. We should not leave faith and reliance on Christ out of the equations. Because we're not only just a body, but we are also a soul. You know, someone's mental health condition could be 
a result of the effects of living contradictory to, to God's word, right? If we are pushing God and pushing Jesus aside and living our own life and saying, you know what, I don't need any of this, then yes, maybe that's why we struggle with this. But I'm no way saying that this is the primary reason that Christians struggle with these difficulties. We should seek outside help if that's what's needed, whether it's from, from Pastor Nancy or I or a professional counselor, but we should also be growing in our spiritual devotion as well. In other words, focusing on the beauty and the glory of God. See, the most loving thing that we can do for a person, especially a person struggling with, with mental difficulties, is to love them enough to acknowledge their struggles. Right? I don't know if you've been guilty of this, but you see that person who maybe is always complaining about how things are going in your life and you you choose to maybe go the other way, but is that really loving people for who they are? See, Christians are far too quick to say a little prayer and then move on like it's like nothing's happening, right? We'll just, I'll pray for you. We, we make that promise. And we're, but we're all called to love people. We're all called to love people, especially those people who are hurting. Because this is the church and, and we are the church and that's really the essence of the church. And if we're honest in the midst of all of our battles, it's tremendously difficult and tiring not to look at what's in front of us. You know, it's hard to not look at things that we're currently dealing with. It's hard to not lay in bed at night and focus on those struggles and those worries. But it's my prayer that we can honestly begin to look at the struggles in our own lives. It's my prayer that we can be vulnerable and enough and honest enough with ourselves and with our church family. And most importantly, that we can be honest enough with God to say, God, things aren't going the way that I want. And it's my prayer that we can have the eyes of our Savior to see those around us who truly aren't okay. So as we continue in this series next week, and we're going to dive deeper into God's word, and we're going to pinpoint what we can do as a church and as individuals relating to this topic. Because like the, like the slide on the screen says, it's okay to not be okay. And I don't understand why in this world, and especially in the church, we, we feel that we need to pretend that everything's fine. Because like I said before, when we say it's fine, everything is fine, often that means just the opposite. So I pray, I want to pray for each and every one of you today. I want to pray that God's glory abounds, that you have the eyes of Jesus to see the, the hearts and minds of the people around you, and that you'll feel God's presence in those moments when life is not okay. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we come before you a, a broken people from a broken world. God, today I, I pray for physical healing for those members of our church who are who are struggling with ailments. God, I pray for mental and emotional healing for those people who, who just don't know where to turn, God. And God, today I, I pray that we will have a, a sense of vulnerability fall upon us, that we will let pride fall to the side, that we will be willing to be open with one another and to have those conversations about what's truly going on in our lives. God, I pray for a newfound openness and transparency within this church. And God, I pray that your peace will fall upon this church, upon the families within it, so that we may all bask in your glory and your goodness. 
God, we thank you for each and every blessing that you give us. So I ask today that you make those vividly apparent. God, we pray for each and every family in this church. We pray for those people who are, are struggling, whether it's emotionally, mentally, relationally. God, we pray that you will be the foundation. And God, we pray for each person and family as they go out today that they will be a, a light, God, a light shining into this world, giving your face in this community so that we may live in your goodness and your glory. In all this we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.